Guitarathon is the greatest guitar sale on earth, and it's happening now. Get massive savings on a huge selection of electric and acoustic guitars, basses, amps, pedals, and other accessories. Get select Ernie Ball strings, three for ten. Save $100 on a Fender Special Edition Strat, or get a Yamaha acoustic for just $199. Plus, get special financing on select major brands. Don't miss these incredible deals. Available online and in store now through November 1st. Guitarathon, only at Guitar Center. Find your sound. are Locked On Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of Locked On Trailblazers. I am your friendly neighborhood sports writer, Dane Carbaugh, in for Eric Gunderson, who is uh, dutifully doing his duties as uh, filling in for the AP tonight doing all of his writing that he can do for the Trailblazers and their win over the Houston Rockets tonight, 117-107 at the Moda. A pretty impressive game all around. Damian Lillard had 31 points on 10 of 18 shooting, including 4 of 9 from 3-point land. Of course, Mo Harkless came up big, 17 points, 8 of 13 shooting, 6 rebounding. That was important. Yusuf Nurkic, 19 points on 7 of 16 shooting, added 11 rebounds. Damian had 11 assists. CJ added 12 points. Novalin contributed 3 points. Not his best game. Off the bench, Alan Crabb had 17 points, and Alfred Camino added 15. Those two players combined for 11 rebounds, 3 assists, and 6 steals, if you can believe it or not. The Blazers, cat, get out of here. Cat, come on. The cat is the cat is interrupting me, or I think maybe what she really wants to do is just contribute to the fact that the Blazers won and again are uh, climbing their way up the ladder in the Western Conference. Uh, fancy the cat, ladies and gentlemen. The Blazers are now a game and a half up on the Denver Nuggets. A game and a half up. That's right. They are something like I forget what their their record is in the the month of March. I could look it up. Um, they are now. Let's see here. They started at. Do, 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 26 and 35. They are now 37 and 38. If you can do math, that's just three losses, my friends. Three losses and 11 wins. Pretty dang good, if you ask me. Especially considering, man, I've said it a million times before. I've said it on this podcast every time I host it almost. But and I, I tweeted out the other night too. But good on you, Blazers fans, for sticking around with this team and watching them because, man, they were not fun to watch at a certain point in time of the season. Um, and a real hassle if you felt like you were – yeah, I mean, if you were a diehard. If you were a diehard and you were watching every game, or if you are like me and you cover the team, you have to watch every game and feel some sort of duty to watch every game. Man, it was tough for a while. Blazers beat Houston again, 117-107 at home at the Moda. There are games coming up. Uh, they play Saturday again at home against Phoenix, so hopefully that's another win. They play two games in the road, first against Minnesota on Monday, then at Utah on Tuesday. They come home again to close the season. That's right. One, two, three, four games in a row at home. Minnesota again the day after my birthday. Utah on Saturday, the next month after that, San Antonio, and they close the season April 12th against New Orleans. So, looking pretty good. If you were in the category of fans, Trailblazers fans, who wanted to make the playoffs, 
you're looking good. You're looking good, and they look good. I think tonight was, obviously, it's a statement win. There's no other way to say it. It's a statement win, right? We thought Denver was the biggest game of the season, and, and it was. Denver was the biggest game of the season. But beating Houston shows, I think, they're not going to beat the Warriors or the Spurs in the first round, obviously. I don't think they're going to win a game. My girlfriend and I were actually having the conversation about how many quarters they'll win in their first-round playoff series, if should, should they get there. I hope they win one. I hope they win a quarter. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to drag you down, Blazers fans. I'm not trying to drag you down. These are the things that you think about when you're a, a writer and no longer put yourself in the category of a strict fan. But I hope I hope they win a quarter. Overall, the biggest point is that they are moving that direction. And I think this win and the win before that, if they just make the playoffs and the way they make the playoffs, it, it can be about and for this team, since they're not going they're not a contender, they're not gonna be a Western Conference, you know, finalist contender. Um this is a team that you do need to take away from them how they win. And that's gonna be important. And the way they're winning now is by as a team coming together, they've closed games. How many games did this team was just could not close? Could not close. A small gap to start the third quarter always expanded. If we're talking December, it always expanded. If we're talking January, they had a lead of eight, a lead of six, always lost it, right? Didn't it feel that way for a while? It was terrible. Now this team is closing games. They beat Denver on Tuesday by nine points. They beat Houston tonight by 10 points. Nurkic, huge contributions, although he got a little bummed up there. I think he what, he stepped on Pat Beverly's ankle or foot or something and then also stepped on Nene's foot, I think, um, during two consecutive plays or plays that were very near to each other. So he's looking a little hobbled. Hopefully he's okay. Hopefully that's just a little you know, ankle sprain as you happen to get. But I think big, contrib- big contribution again. Al Farouk Aminu, useful off the bench. Alan Crabb. Uh, this team goes kind of as Alan Crabb contributes this season, you know? I mean, not not necessarily, but very much to a point of there are games you can point out where if you didn't have that, that would have been the deciding factor. And obviously, Nurkic. I think my biggest thing for this game is really the play of Mo Harkless. Mo Harkless looked aggressive this game. He looked strong. He didn't dawdle. He didn't dribble around too much he made one move two move went to the basket he floated to the right spot he kept moving on the arc he got his shots up on the drives for the guards that's important that's important and he banged down low six rebounds that was the third most on the team outside of Aminu who had nine that's important I really think this team is in a, is going to be in a quandary, and the better Mo Harkless plays, the better it's going to be for them come the offseason. No matter if they keep him or other players or whatever, he's a crucial part of the team, whether it's he's at that spot moving forward or if he is the big piece that gets moved in the offseason. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm off, I'm off the, the rails here a little bit. James Harden had 30 points. Uh, shot just 2 of 13 from three-point range. Can you believe that? 2 of 13. All of the Rockets did surpass the record for 
all-time made three-pointers in a season by a single team. The two previous records, if you'll happen to know, also set by Mike D'Antoni teams, I think in back-to-back seasons in the mid-2000s, the Phoenix Suns. Pretty impressive stuff. The Trailblazers, they all, they, James Harden only shot seven free throws. He was two of 13 from three-point range. Only one, two, three, four, five players for the Rockets were in double-digit scoring. None had double-digit rebounds. The Trailblazers had an effective field goal percentage of 55%. True shooting, 58.7%. Rockets, Houston, 48.4%. They kept Houston to just seven fast break points. That's crazy. That's crazy. And although Houston did have 58 points in the paint, the deficit was only minus four for the Trailblazers. So they let him score in the paint. That's fine. It's hard not to do that. And with teams like the Rockets, the way to beat them is to take away some of the things they do well. Three-point shooting. They only shot 25% tonight, by the way. And fast break points. Man, that is basically Houston's offense. Three-point shooting and fast break points, a lot of times they're one and the same, but that is basically Houston in a nutshell, whether they win. Trailblazers able to shut that down tonight. The Blazers shot 39% from three-point range. They scored 15, sorry, 19 points off the fast break. I mean, just an excellent night all around. They 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 kept their turnovers low. They, their turnover percentage was 10.7%. Um, man, I, I was super impressed with this game with the Blazers tonight. I think everybody had a, a good handle on the game. Everybody was amped up. Obviously, the Moda, an extremely difficult place to play on any given night. But on a night when the Blazers coming off that Denver win, coming off... Um, you know, really a, a win where they they feel like their season has sort of begun anew a little bit. Good for them. And good for you guys for sticking with them if you have. Well, if you listen to this, I'm sure you have. All right. Again, the Blazers beat Houston 117-107 tonight at the Moda. Damian led the way with 31 points. Mo Harkless and Yusuf Nurkic, I think, came up huge. Uh, CJ McCollum had 12 points on 415 shooting, kind of an off night for him from three point range, just two of eight. Didn't really contribute much, but again, hey, Blazers won without him being the um, the number two scorer. So things are looking good. Things are looking good. Let's move along. You guys uh, kindly responded to my uh, request for questions on Twitter at Dane Carbaugh, D A N E C A R B A U G H. Thankfully, you sent some stuff in. Let's get to talking about some things with you guys after this win. I know you're jacked up. I know you're excited. So let's get them right now. The first question we're going to take a look at is from Ty Delbridge. Ty wants to know, can Crab become a consistent or it says constant knockdown shooter? And I think that's uh, consistent is different from constant, actually. So I guess it maybe depends on what the question is that you're asking, right? Because Alan Crabb, I think, is—he's uh, not a—he's I mean, a good shooter, right? I mean, we we think that he's a good shooter. He's he's shooting forty-three point five percent from three-point range this season, pretty dang good, right? He's also shooting them in a clip that, uh, while not as high as say his his uh, sophomore year, is still uh, you know point four six two his three-point rate. A uh, percentage of field goal attempts from three-point range is what that is. I'm sorry. Uh, so, you know, is he a consistent 
player or is he a constant player? It depends on what you want to call it. Alan Crabb has had games where he's off. He's had things where he's not been the guy who's there for them. And, and obviously the Blazers, I think, really, really thrive when he's playing well. So I'm not sure what you mean by, by that question specifically. I hope I'm reading it right. But I think he is a um, he is a knockdown shooter. Could he be a constant factor for the Blazers is, is the biggest question. I think they want him to or uh, they want him to in order to trade him. I don't know. But uh, I don't know. And a second question I think actually goes along with that. Tip drunk. Tip PDX wants to know, has Crab reached Batum levels of frustratingly inconsistent yet? You guys not digging on Al in the first half of this game, and I can understand why. I think he really, really um, turned things around the second half of the of the night, obviously, for the Trailblazers. Came up big, had that huge steal at the end of the game to really uh, ooh, put the icing on the cake, my friend. Um, and, you know, he had a couple big shots, too. So I think, has he reached Batum levels of frustratingly inconsistent? Hmm. That's a good question. I think I think Crab kind of fits in that a little bit, that mold a little bit, because just because of the way the roster is constructed now and where the plan is for him and the overall plan for him, which I think was always to trade him, just because he was an RFA and they happened to come up with something gold and he is a good asset, right? Okay, that's that's uh, Alan Crab was never going to be the guy here, so I don't think that's any secret. Is he frustrating? Uh, Tip, if you're like me, you're probably thinking it's frustrating from the standpoint of if you think that Crab is extremely useful to this whole <laughs> Blazers winning these games down the stretch and having that having that bench presence, to be perfectly honest. They need a bench presence. I don't know if it's between levels yet, but again, I think that's a whole can of worms. That's a whole podcast in and of itself in terms of Batum. So not yet. Not yet. Batum was a starter. That's 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 the dividing line for me. Batum was a starter. They put the ball in his hand. They made him run the pick and roll when he didn't want to. Or maybe he wanted to and he wasn't very good at it. Remember that? Not fun. No. Not as much. His three-point shot has to die like Knicks did that one year for that to be the case. And he has to be a starter. So I think that that's the line for me. Aaron Dahl wants to know... He's heard analysts say that Hakeem was the wrong big man to work with Dwight Howard. Who do I want to work with Nurk? I don't know, a yogi? Somebody just calm that dude down. Like, the things that he does that are not planned well are not things that, it's not like if you took the fire out of Draymond Green or something, you know? Oh, he's not the same player. Took the fire out of Dylan Brooks. He's not the same player. That's not really Nurk. The things that he does the, that are the most frustrating and weird are things that are just like... He's not antsy. He's just... He's got some bad ideas and some bad habits. He's 22. Do you remember what it was like to be 22? I, tur- I turned 29 next week. I have been thinking about what it was like to be 22. I was extremely dumb. I'm not saying Nurk's dumb, but I remember making weird decisions at the time and thinking... Oh, this is a good idea. Yeah, they weren't that they weren't that good ideas, you know. Let's translate that down to being twenty two and being on a basketball court. Nurk does some weird things, right? The biggest thing that gets me is he's his quick turns to the basket with the ball, where he doesn't get the foul. It, they're almost like weird. These weird like it's like a layup, but he's scooping it under. He's like pushing it with his palm. I don't know. He's just kind of throwing it at the hoop and see what sees what sticks. It's not. It's not a good use of the possession. And too often his post 
His post-ups end that way. He's able to back guys down and get them in the position. He needs a finishing move. He needs a signature finishing move is what he needs. I mean, I almost think he's so freaking big and so wide across that if he developed, you know, L.A., L.A., before L.A. left, you know, the last two, two years L.A. was in Portland, he went to that right running hook so much because guys overplayed the fade. So then he mixed up the drive off of that left wing. Nurkic gets the ball in the same spot. He he could he could it would be so hard. It's already he already backs guys down, so he'd already be very close. So then guys would be worried about and he he does go back shoulder a lot, so guys could be worried about that. He could go he could go across and drive across and get that little hook going. It'd be so hard to reach across and he's so wide. He needs a signature shot. That's the thing that gets me the most. So who should he work with? Dude, I don't know. I mean, Kim Hughes did do a lot of good work for the Trailblazers. That's a coach, though. Should he? You know, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pick a specific NBA player, an old NBA player from to work with. That's weird. I, who who knows? But I I would like him to maybe calm some of those things down. Hopefully that just happens with age. Thanks for asking the question. Michael Jacobs wants to know: Assuming he isn't traded, do I think the Blazers were trying to extend Nurkic this offseason or let his deal run out? The best thing to do with Nurkic for both parties, is to wait. Remember, by the time Nurkic gets done with the Blazers, right, when was he traded? February 13th, 14th, 15th, something like that? How many games has Nurkic played with the Portland Trail Blazers? <laughs> right? Do you want to give this guy, who's had some issues, including injury issues, by the way, including injury issues. So, Let's think about that for a little bit. Not not a big deal, but, you know. Do you want him to be the guy at center for you? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. But do you want him to wait and get better and see? Sure. Because I think at some point in time, the luxury cap issues that the Trailblazers have will be cleared up when they trade some of these other players. So you have space to sign Nurkic. And I'm not worried about that. But I think I think you should get a full season under your belt. And and it behooves you to not jump the gun. Not a Neil O'Shea thing to do. And it behooves you to also let the market dictate you. Dictate for you. Excuse me. You can extend him next year. I don't know. It's not that big a deal. I would say wait. I would say wait. He's not going to get traded. What would Nurkic, I mean, man. I have been saying Neil O'Shea should make the big trade this offseason. What if he traded Nurkic? I'd, nobody's ever thought about that. It's not happening. There's no, there'd be no, I can see no reason for it to happen. Anyways, let's not even get into it. Reed Andrews wants to know, CJ and Dame are two of the top three most miles logged a game on defense in the NBA. What's behind that? Teams run screens at them. Every single time. What's the most common action in the NBA? Pick and roll. Second most common action in the NBA. Guys run off screens to go to the arc. They're guards, so they're going to run a lot anyways. And who has the reputation for being the worst defenders on the team? Damian and CJ. So they're putting them in those pick and rolls. They're putting them off those screens every time. They're calling plays. They're calling plays for Damian and CJ 
on defense, essentially. Other teams are. That's how it's going. That's why. It's not, it's not that hard. Those poor guys. Man, they need to get better this offseason. They really do. Nurkic can't save them. Or, I don't know, maybe Neil trades for a better defensive wing. Who knows? I don't know. All right. Uh, Neil Madison wants to know, bias aside, what do I think about potentially separating Damian and CJ, since are so similar, and respectively elite in their own right? We've talked about this a lot. This conversation has died down, obviously, since the Blazers got past the trade deadline and traded for Nurkic and started playing better. But this was the hot topic. I mean, every single podcast we did here on Lockdown Blazers was about trading Damian or CJ, right? And for realistic reasons that Neil Shea has, one, Damian, star player, never getting rid of him. CJ, Neil's baby, probably never getting rid of him. And the whole thing is, for the Blazers, is finding a third star. It's not getting rid of one of them. And the fourth thing is, we haven't really figured out if this team can be good or not yet together. I mean, remember, C- granted, CJ did wasn't a starter, and you had Wes Matthews helping on the wing, he had Robin Lopez, but this team made a defensive stride with Damien at the helm, playing point guard, L.A., not a noted defender, and Nick Batum, who honestly was overrated. Not a bad defender, but overrated. I would say he was a mm, slightly above average defender. Helpful. He's a helpful defender. Let's say that. They made a leap, remember? So I don't necessarily think that all said that they will be completely hopeless and they have to. They can never win. We don't have enough data on that. But that's mostly based off of they've played with guys who are also bad at defense. Mason Plumley. Come on. Give me a break. Alan Crabb, for all of his length and all of his supposed ability on defense, being kind of bad. Turn his head. Moharkless, very good in stretches. Sometimes breaks down because he's young. You know? Not none of, none of those guys are Wesley Matthews. You know what I mean? None of those guys are Wesley Matthews. So when you get burned and you're Damian and CJ, and you used to have Robin Lopez guarding the bucket and the length of Batum and these smarts and hands of Wes Matthews helping you dig off the weak side or something. That's a lot different from having the team those guys play with lately. So, are they going to get much better? Probably not, individually. Could the team get better around them? Yeah. And if that's the case, you have elite offensive scorers, which, hard to find in the NBA, makes you a consistent, just, you know, an offensive load for teams to try to stop. Oh, we stopped one guy. All right, well, we got two guys. Plus, we got Nurkic. Plus, we got whatever, you know. Hard to stop. So, you want those guys on your team if you can manage it. And that's really where the Blazers are at as well. They want them on their team if they can manage it. They're still going for it. I don't think we're not, we're not close to trading CJ unless all of next season goes poorly. Then, maybe next offseason. Okay? So, you're a while out. Just uh, get back to me if that happens. Thanks for asking the question. Um, do I think like, the real question was really more about 
uh, like Neela's question was about what do I think about separating them? I don't know. Do I personally see this as a Western Conference Finals team with those two guys on it? Not as the team is constructed, but I don't think that's necessarily – again, I, I also don't think that – I think the the most realistic way to get this team where they want to go it not to separate them. No, it's not. It's to improve something else somewhere else. The thing I've been thinking about lately, if Nurkic is the guy, is, you know – Aminu is on a stupidly good contract. Harkless is young, also on a good contract, playing well. Neil's got a billion picks in his bag. I mean, I hate to say it, but this Blazers team has a set window. And think about it this way. Think think about it this way. I'm, I'm not saying they have to make the big trade, but all of the things match up for it to work now. Damien and CJ are just over 25. Neil's got three picks. He's got a bunch of guys on contracts that are starting to look better now that the team's playing better. They're more tradable. You got, you're never going to have more assets than the Blazers have going into this offseason. Never. They will ne- unless that asset is Damien or CJ. Never. Okay? So, if that's what it is, and those guys are a certain age... Think about it this way. Elite, elite, elite teams have guys that play until they're, who are super elite until they're, you know, 33, 34, 35, right? But that is, I don't, you can't count on that, right? So let's say you have the next four to five years for the Blazers team. Now think about all the elite teams you know, Clippers, the Grizzlies, uh, the Rockets that have got to that upper four in the Western Conference and consist, are consistently there the Thunder before Durant left. And still how hard it was to make the Western Conference Finals or to get through to that. That's the goal. So you built this team up, you get them as a top four team, and then you're still not guaranteed how many bounces Clippers had in the second round. Same for the Grizzlies. Right? So just because you built built that team, had a great regular season, doesn't mean that you're going to make it. So you have to keep going. You have to have that team together for years, in my opinion. You have to, it, it can't, otherwise the Blazers end up in a situation where it's like they'll get to be, if they keep making little dinky dinky dink moves that are real smart, but don't net them that big player, then I think and this is more of a feeling thing for me. I mean, I'm thinking through it through. You're hearing me talk about my logic, but it's also a feeling thing, right? Is that then you end up with, if you do all that and you do it smart, and when you do it little, you can't, you're, you're going to end up with one year that's the year. You're not going to end up with a Clippers run. You're not going to end up with a Memphis run where you're consistently a top four team for five, six, seven, eight years. That's what the Blazers want. That's what the Blazers want. So, that being said, because of the timeline, how old Damian and CJ are, when it makes sense for the averages of NBA players to be at their peak, and the assets the team have, I think this is the offseason to make the move. 
Now, that doesn't mean he can just make it. You can't pull it out of thin air. If people don't want to depart with players, you can't just grab them. You can't just grab Paul George and leverage your whole thing on it because it sounds like he wants to play in L.A. So as much as it would be great to just add Paul George to this team, and you'd be like, oh, boom, done. There it is. Paul George, Nurkic. Damian, CJ. Minu. Fondly. Kill him. No, that's not how it works. So, many factors going in. I feel like this is the summer. I hope it happens for him. I feel like this is the summer. So, I'm not necessarily up for splitting them up. I don't think that's the necessarily the move. I think it's something else to add to the roster, but never know what happens. Thanks for asking the question. What else we got here? Thanks for asking you guys' questions. Uh, Greek Mick <laughs> Papadopoulos wants to know which tribute is going to be named renamed Mo Harkless Way. Um, hmm, Mo Harkless Way. Which could be renamed Mo Harkless Way? What's a street we don't like? Like, Skyler is really annoying to pronounce, you know? Although it does go through Irvington. It's not really that close to the Moda. You know what I mean? Weidler? People call it, think it's Weidler. I mean, Weidler goes right into the Lloyd District. I think that would work. Like, and Weidler turns into, what, Broadway after a while anyways, or vice versa or something. I mean, we could just we could just change it there. Moharkless way. Let's change Weidler. Call the mayor. Unless he's busy. Is he busy? I don't know. <laughs> All right. Last question. Hmm. Oh, Corbina Smith wants to know if I like if I prefer the Iliad or the Odyssey. Uh oh man, I have to think back to sixth grade English for this. Come on. I'm gonna say the Odyssey. I like all the adventures. Yeah. I like all the adventures. Is Nurkic the greatest player of all time? No, is Nurkic the a great player of all time or the greatest player of all time? JD wants to know. I mean, I, did you see him tap on the watch behind Damien during the uh, TNT interview? That might make him the GOAT. I might make him the GOAT. Thanks for asking your question, you guys, and staying with me here um, with, in, with Eric you know, out doing uh, his work for the Associated Press. Obviously, the Trailblazers won tonight, 117-107 over the Houston Rockets. A second big win uh, puts them one and a half games up over the Denver Nuggets for the eighth seed. They also have the tiebreaker in the Western Conference playoffs, so it looks like they could be playoff bound, my friends. They have another game at home versus Phoenix on Saturday, April 1st at 7 p.m. Eastern. Sorry, 7 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. That's our time. I'm always reading it. I, ESPN. Why doesn't ESPN know? Oh, come on. All of our data is gathered, right, on the Internet. I don't I don't want to see game times in Eastern time. You know where I am. Just give it to me in, in the time that matters. Nobody cares about the East Coast. Come on. They play Phoenix Saturday, April 1st at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. They go on the game for or the road for two games, and they come back to finish the season on a four-game homestand. The Trailblazers win tonight, 117-107. Big contributions from Dame C or sorry Dame Nurkic and 
Harkless, as well as Aminu and Crab off the bench. Eric Gunderson will return your normal scheduled programming and host later this week. If you want to, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, where else? Audio Boom. You can give us a five-star review there. That would be really helpful. I did see that more of you have gone on there and given us five-star reviews. I, I think I screenshot and put it up on Twitter, a couple of those reviews. Thanks, guys, for um, for doing that. It's nice of you to take your time out and write them. It's nice that I think uh, this podcast really come a long way, and uh, I think Eric does a great job of uh, providing that content for you. So uh, give him a shout the next time you see him on Twitter, next time you're thinking about it, next time you listen to this podcast in your car. Um, yeah, as for me, I will uh, return, I'm sure, at some point in time, either as co-host or as your solo host uh, covering things for you. If you want to find me, you can do so on Twitter. I am at Dane Carbaugh, D-A-N-E-C-A-R-B-A-U-G-H. Same thing on Facebook. And you can also find me in my YouTube videos over on YouTube.com slash Dane, not Dan, as my cat knocks something over in the background. We will turn on Saturday. Thanks, guys. With the holidays around the corner, now's your chance to save time and money at Safeway Stock Up Sale. Plus, earn four times gas reward points on participating items. Look for tags on items like Honey Nut Cheerios. Select varieties are four for eight dollars with your club card. And select varieties of Betty Crocker Cake Mix, Brownie Mix, or Frosting are ten for ten dollars with your club card. Maximum gas reward at participating Sunoco stations is twenty cents per gallon and one dollar per gallon at Safeway stations in a single fill of up to twenty-five gallons. Other restrictions, limitations, and exclusions apply. For complete details, go to Safeway.com.